calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello and welcome to this week's IGN podcast. I'm Stuart Reed, and with me this week are Mr. Daniel Kruper. Hello. Mr. Tom Butler. Hello. Mr. Chris Tilley. Hello. <laughs> Will you take that gimp mask off, please? <laughs> and the world's biggest... No, wait. The office's biggest... No, Hello. wait. The office's third biggest Batman fan, Alex Simmons. I'm Batman. That's very good. Very Thanks. good indeed. I'm going to talk through the whole podcast like this. I give it three <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so in anticipation of the most eagerly awaited film of this or any other year ever, uh, yeah, The Dark Knight Rises, in case you're wondering what I was talking about, we are going to spend a lot of time, the second half of this podcast, spoilering it for you, frankly. So if you haven't seen Dark Knight Rises yet, uh, pause the podcast now, pop out and see it, and then come back and listen to the second half of the podcast. Or maybe pause it at halfway point yeah, and then not listen. Now. Not, not, not now. now. Well, you're, now. You're, you're, half an hour they you're, you're a bit late because they've already paused it. Also, are we spoiling it or spoiling it? Spoiling it. Yeah. A, a check your dictionary. We're, we're, we're going maybe... Make it into a chav car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a Batman special to come in the second half of today's podcast. But first, before that, let's check out this week's news. Right, the first bit of news is a new game's been announced. Ooh. It's Battlefield 4. Batman 4? Yeah, um... This week, EA has officially confirmed that if you pre-order the special edition of Medal of Honor Warfighter, you get exclusive access to the beta next year for Battlefield 4. Um, we kind of knew that Battlefield 4 existed at the weekend because on Origin, which is kind of EA's equivalent of Steam, there was an advert saying that if you basically pre-order Warfighter, you'd get access to this beta, but it was quickly taken down. Yeah. Um, but EA have made it official at the beginning of this week. So, but have they given any more details, like when it's going to hit? Um, well, well, I guess it would come around autumn next year. The standard release window for a Battlefield game. Well, that's but, right. but if but if autumn next year is the is the date for the beta, then surely we're looking at a 2014 release. No, well, no, no, no I, I think uh, it'll, if you look at the cycle for well, Call of Duty games, Medal of Honor, it looks like they're going to hit could that. be September, couldn't it? And the game could come yeah. out beginning November. Yeah, because I think they'll follow the same model as Call of Duty. I, don't think, yeah. I think you'll see a Medal of Honor game this year, then you'll see a Battlefield game, then Medal of Honor, and so I you've think you've got a blanket co- like annual coverage. Yeah. 
uh, just alternating between studios. But, so, but to pre-order a game, to not get something for a year, is like, that's pretty crazy. It's not that much of an incentive, really. You have to be well, pretty it, patient. It also depends how I'm kind sure of far uh, spread they're going to sort of make the, the beta. But that's what I say, how exclusive be. is it? Because if, if come next year you can get into it at the last minute... Then and it's only the special edition? Um, this is what it says. It says, yeah, the Warfighter limited edition. Right, OK. Um, Don't you think it's a bit odd that they've gone for Battlefield 4 and not... Um, Bad Company. Bad Company 3? Yeah. Battlefield 3 was a big hit for them, though. Yeah. It was, but it's kind of like the prestige title, right? So I would have thought that maybe that would have been a launch title for next gen rather than... Yeah, but see, what well, I, I think probably if you look at all the work that went into Battlefield 3, probably most of it was in the engine. Now they've got that engine up and running. It's probably just Frostbite sticking a new, stick new game in it, innit? Do some new guns. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and also, I've, I'm sure they've looked at Call of Duty and just gone, that works. You don't, you don't need massive time being sunk into innovation. You, I guess it's a trade-off. Do you get that title out the next year? You know it'd probably sell pretty well. Yeah, I guess so. I just I, thought... I'd personally, I'd like to see a Bad Company 3. Yeah, I think a lot of people would. I think yeah. that was the but general, maybe, maybe general that's response. Been, that, that could be next-gen launch title, or held over <clears> to the year after. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of Battlefield fans were a little bit disappointed because they felt that the game, that Battlefield 3, was going to be supported long-term, and now that perhaps... Three DLC packs are still coming out. There's still two more to come. True, yeah, but I think they they were probably expecting it to be a bit more of a long tail product. But yeah, uh, I think I, we, I, we, we talked about that a lot, didn't we? In the I podcast. think that's really like. Do you think a lot of people know the deal there? They know there's going to be a new shooter out the year after, and they, they just have to deal with it. And there'll still be a community that clings to a certain type of shooter because they like, I don't know, the game types. They like the loadouts more than the new version. Like, for instance, I know when Black Ops Two was announced. Loads of people went back to Black Ops playing that online. And there's a community that even when Modern Warfare 3 came out, still play Modern Warfare 2 or Black yeah. Ops 1. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I don't know, different tastes. Yeah. Mm. Okay, well, for all things Battlefield 4, if we've got any more information, uh, we'll let you know on uh, IGN. Uh, next up, uh, a new PS3 is rumoured to be announced at Gamescom in a couple of weeks. And it's super, super, super slimline. So, so, so slim, in fact, you can barely see it. Uh, in fact, it looks very much like a normal slim, but it's yeah. Um, is it a top load? Slimmer. slimmer. That's what I. That's what I got the impression of from the photos. It seemed to be what shit those... band that Jamie Oliver likes. Yeah, that's the ones. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. That's one for the kids, isn't it? Um, so the, the photos that were released online uh, were obviously kind of mocked and appeared on some weird Brazilian website. I don't know where <laughs> they came from. Yeah. Um, but this uh, apparently a document has been filed with the FCC, which is the federal. Uh, oh, Communications Commission. I don't know what that means. Um, Just but words. It, it's all every electrical thing in the states has got to go through the FCC to make sure it doesn't interfere with emergency uh, right. uh, channels and stuff like that. Gotcha. Yeah. But what it will actually look like, obviously, it's going to be slimmer, but uh, bigger hard drive. So I think the maximum capacity of a hard drive would be half a gig. Um, um, sorry, half t- uh, half terabyte. 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 Yeah. Half a gig would be really small. <laughs> Um, but the rumour is is that the price of it will come down to sort of maybe £99 or £129. Wow. Pounds, which wow. is mm. 99 quid. you'd have one in well, every room. Exactly, yeah. Was it, well, there's some talk of uh, Microsoft bringing over the, um, the $99 Xbox. Yes. Yeah. The, the Europe, even. Because that's subsidised by you pay, like, you, you say up front, I'm going to have two years of Xbox gold. Right. Um, live gold. Um, but 99 quid's pretty good, it's isn't it? Yeah. I'd, I'd, well, if I didn't already have two, I'd have another. Well, Mate, another PS3? Yeah. 
I'd need another room in my house to put it in. Well, just, that's that's going to cost you more. I was going to say the savings you'd have on a PS3, just put that in towards an extension. Maybe just have one in my toilet or a tent. That. Buy a tent, put it in there. Get yeah. one for every room. Yeah, and it's going to be called the PlayStation Four Thousand. Four thousand, not three. Well, well 4, according to this this document, it says four thousand. Mm. Um, what colour is it coming in? I don't know. Does it come in black? I bet it does. does I want. It? I want a white one. Have you seen those nice white PlayStations? Japanese ones. Yeah, yeah. No, I like quite like the red mm. ones as well. Yeah. I just think that kind of piece of equipment, if it's sitting under your telly, you don't want it to stand out. You want it to just sit there and blend in. Blend in exactly. So you go in the same as your wallpaper. Just all a Kylie. Do a patterned one. That'd be nice. Chris? Mm. I have a bit of movie news. <laughs> that petered out, didn't it? Well, to be fair, Solomon, this is not a soft furnishings podcast. <laughs> Imagine the listenership we'd have get if it was, though. Well, that's why I tried to bring in that gardening section to take down Gardener's Question Time in yeah. our category on iTunes. Never worked. <laughs> Never fucking worked. What's new I've, in DFS this week? I know loads about tubers. Can I speak? <laughs> no. Um, I have some movie news, and it looks like we're going to get a Finding Nemo 2. Did anyone here want a Finding Nemo 2? Well, he no. was found. Oh, everyone spoke at the same time now. <laughs> what did you say, Alex? Well, he was found. Exactly. So yeah. it's a film that doesn't need a sequel. No. It's just them hanging out. But it looks like Pixar greenlit it. Um, Andrew Stanton, who wrote the first one, he made his um, his live-action directorial debut with John Carter this oh, year. Oh, it's how well, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lost Disney about $200 million. And they're letting this man make another movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're letting go back to what Finding Nemo, the original Finding Nemo, is the second biggest Pixar movie, and um, Disney's third biggest animated release. Wow! So, uh, would it would it be him directing it? It would be him directing. So that has such a sort of like, oh, that that thing you did didn't really work. Do you want to make another film about that fish that <laughs> did do well? It does smack. And that, patting him yeah. on the head. Mm. Yeah. There's been a bit of an outcry online with people saying, you know, why are Pixar doing this? And he put on his Twitter. Didn't you all learn from Chicken Little? Everyone calm down. Don't believe everything you read. Nothing to see here now. Hashtag sky is not falling. Oh, he gave someone the Chicken Little beat though. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Did you see Chicken Little? Yeah. It wasn't very good, was it? It was all right. It was forgettable, but... though. Saturday afternoon fair. Hmm. Finding Nemo oh, 2. Oh, Where's he going to go? I just don't know. Is he just going to get lost again? Maybe it's Nemo finding himself sexually. I just want to... He ends up in Japan and gets eaten alive. That'd be good. I'd watch that. And then Marlin has to go inside a Japanese person's body to find him. I just find it a bit distressing that Pixar were, were pumping out these original stories and yeah. now they're going back, you know, Monster University yeah. next year. Cars 2. Right? Cars 2's already come out. Uh, Finding Nemo 2. And they're talk, even talking, I'm hearing rumours that they might be doing a Toy Story 4 Yeah. now, which mm. they said they wouldn't. And it's <sighs> like... Well, they haven't made an original... Well, I mean, Brave is obviously coming out, but the, like, the last really great one was Up, right? And then Toy Story 3. And Up, Toy right. Story Three was, well, um, and then well, the axe, the other like original property, which was Newt, which yeah. I thought something like a really cool concept, but that completely got left on the drawing board, literally. There's there's three original ones coming after Monster University. There's the Good Dinosaur. There's the the untitled movie that goes into the human mind. They need oh. to work on that headline. That just sounds like that pro- <laughs> like the thing that was at the Millennium Dome. <laughs> yeah, that's where they're shooting it, uh, and one about the Day of the Dead. But um, what? Yeah. Dia de los Muertos. Brilliant. Yeah, this Mexican. Oh, yeah, like, awesome. like, called Calderas? Or yeah, yeah, like I know that, all man. about it, but I didn't know they were doing something no, no, about that. I, think, I imagine they're going to be main characters, little skeleton people. Oh, wow. That does sound quite cool. Can't concept. wait for that. But yeah, so finding Nemo 2, we can wait for that. Yeah. Not that interested. Do something else, Pixar. You're a bit worried about Pixar. Because, you know, Cars 2, nah. Brave, 
Mm. I know a couple of you guys have already seen Brave. Probably can't talk about it. I think it's been out. out in the States. Yeah. Oh, it's right. good, it's just not great. It feels yeah. m- much more in the sort of Disney mould than the Pixar mould. Okay. And kind of Disney did that film about three years ago with Tangled, and I think they did it better about like a strong, capable princess. Um, mm. I, just, I wonder whether there's been a big like, sort of talent swap around because, you know, Pixar are now Disney. Yeah. Whether it's kind of been merged. Yeah, it's difficult. Been shuffled about. It's difficult know. to say. I guess, imagine Lasseter probably had a big say in it, and I, I imagine he's not now as hands on. But I don't know how much influence that would have over the films that they're making or the quality of the films. So hmm, it's difficult to say. We'll just have to wait and see. But this one doesn't look like it will come out till 2016 anyway. So oh, a little while. Right. Bit of a one. wait. Yeah. Okay. You're a fan of uh, Disney princesses, Alex? Uh, not really. Oh, just thought I'd ask. Good. Tom, um, have you got any news? Yeah, I've got a bit of news here about the game Fez, uh, which we're big fans of here. Well, you are. Safe to say, well, I am. Yeah. Daniel is. Yes. Um, so not long ago, uh, Polytron, the makers, um, brought a patch out for the game on Xbox Live, uh, but then they pulled the patch because the um, uh, the patch was found to be game-breaking. What it was happening was a small percentage of people who downloaded the patch found that it deleted their save data, so they had to go right back to the start. And if you've played Fez, you'd know that is hugely frustrating because it's kind of, it's there's a lot of going back and forwards that you have to do to pick up all the bits and pieces anyway. Well, now Polytron are reissuing that same patch after the initial release. And what they've said is that they couldn't afford to uh, patch the patch because it would cost too much money. I'll, I'll read some quotes here from Polytron's website. It's, like, it's quite interesting. It's like Inception. Yeah. Um, we're bringing the first patch online, the first Fez patch online. It's the same patch and we're not going to patch the patch. <laughs> Why not? Because Microsoft would charge us tens of thousands of dollars to re- recertify the game. And obviously their, their thing is that it's only a small amount of people that are, yep. that are affected. Um, and they said it's a shitty numbers game to be playing for sure. But as, as, sorry, but as a small independent, paying so much money for patches makes no sense at all. Had Fez been released on Steam instead of Xbox Live, the game would have been fixed two weeks after release. Um, but quite interestingly, towards the, towards this rant on on Polytron, what they've said is that people often mistakenly believe that we got paid by Microsoft for being exclusive to their platform. Nothing could be further from the truth. We pay them to be exclusive on their platform. Why so would you? Why why would so you say that? Phil Fish that's saying all this. Well, it sounds like it. I mean, he's obviously quite an outspoken individual anyway, um, and he's he's not afraid of ruffling feathers. But um, it's kind of weird that a game would have to would be penalised for things like that. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense, does it? <coughs> no. I don't understand. Firstly, why, why would Microsoft have to... Re- I, I suppose that they'd say, well, you could sneak anything into this patch. You could make the game completely different by patching it, therefore yeah. we would have to recertify it. Okay, fair enough. But why would you want it to be Xbox, Xbox exclusive? Unless they offer a certain level of promotion. Uh, okay. I don't know because yeah. it's the or same support in development. Yeah, exactly. Like they'll they'll yeah. secure it early on in development and go, "We'll give you X amount of help." Right. I don't know. But uh, or, or will they pay them uh, against how much they expect to earn on the game? So it's like offsetting, like a band play- pays. Do you know what I mean? When bands get yeah. advanced, they, then, they yeah. then then, oh, right, yeah, then okay. they get paid pay yeah. them back. Sure. Yeah. Um, when when they hit the big time. Well, do you know what the patch fixed then? Any idea? Uh, no, I'm not sure actually. Um, I'd have to look back in, in the story, but uh, I don't know. It just—it seems a bit. Um, I, I don't know. It seems like Fez had a, a, a troubled time with yeah. Microsoft already because they remember when we had um, 
uh, I don't know, the Xbox Live producers. Roger Carpenter. Roger, yeah, 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 and he was saying about how um, uh, Trials had done really well and the yeah. people at Trials knew and the guy at Minecraft knew how many had sold. And Phil Fish was like, well, I, I still don't know how many I've sold. I, I think it's not sold as well as like other quite hyped Xbox Live games like Super Meat Boy, like Trials. Um, Fez, I think, has been slightly disappointing in terms of sales. Yeah, well, he says, we already owe Microsoft a lot of money for the privilege of being on their pr- platform, and so it just doesn't make uh, any mm. sense for us to pay more money to fix the game. So, basically, you're stuck with a possibly broken patch for a game. Right. So, uh, also, it's crazy, isn't it? Interesting little fact. Uh, more people are playing Minecraft on Xbox Live than Black Ops. Really? Yeah. There you go. Kids love it. Kids to PC version as well. Kids absolutely love Minecraft. Really? On Xbox Live, yeah. It's like a really cool Lego, isn't it? Yeah. You just run around, build whatever you want. Yeah. Attack pigs with pickaxes. Yeah. Okay, it's for everyone. Anyway, that was this week's news. Uh, obviously, the talking point, we are going to be talking about The Dark Knight Rises later in this week's podcast. So before that, we're going to head over to uh, Reader Feedback. First bit of feedback this week is from Alex Holloway, uh, regular uh, writer to the podcast. Uh, and he says, hearing your ideas last week, the uh, video game to film adaptations of last week, he says, I made you a poster. Chris, the yep. Super Bomberman poster exists. <coughs> what do you think of that? It's starring Tom Hardy, directed by Paul Greengrass. Brilliant picture of Tom Hardy, looking as if he's passing a hard stool. <laughs> he's about think... 14 as well. He does, doesn't he? He does. Uh, with, a, with a shotgun, though. He's got a shotgun for some reason. Uh, and I'm not quite sure why. What movie is that from? I don't know. I don't know. Layer um, cake, perhaps? He does know he's layer cake. Looks just like layer cake, that poster. Rock and roller, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a lovely poster. I've already had some banter with Alex. He's on done Twitter a really good job, this. though. He's done Ipsum Lorem all the way down there. Yeah, can you read yeah. the last bit of Ipsum Lorem as well? Yeah. Do you just read all that? <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, I've already said to Alex, I think it's a great poster. But as I said to him, uh, Bomberman doesn't need a gun. And he apologised and agreed and said he couldn't find many pictures of Tom Hardy with his shirt on. And that was one of the few ones he could find, so... He actually says, in the Ipsum Lorem here, it actually says, Chris Tilly, hello. I hadn't read that And then it says, all that bollocks. It does, seriously, that's really cool. Lovely stuff. Alex also sent us the picture of GTA up as well, so... Thanks for that, Alex. He's He's very very good. He is. Uh, I've got an email from Greg Kilby. Any relation? What? Uh, who says, how about Jet Set Willy directed by David Lynch incorporating Colour Clash onto the silver screen? I'm not sure about what? David Lynch doing Jet Set Willy. Good idea. Does he mean the Colour Clash thing with it where it used to be on the spectrum? No? Uh, well, yeah, yeah I should imagine so. I, I think, you know, the Colour Clash that was on the old spectrum game. Yeah, OK. I'm, I can't quite see how that's going to translate into a movie. No. Unless it's literally just showing the game on a cinema screen. <laughs> Fuck me, I don't know. Don't know. Who's his Jet Set Willy? Uh, I didn't say that's li- all the information that's oh. in there. Who would be a good Jet Set Willy? Martin Freeman. Yeah, he's got a blank face, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Sold. Blank faces. Thanks, Greg. I have an email from Andrew Walker along the same lines of uh, game to film adaptations. He's come up with one, and this is, it goes as thus. In a futuristic world, the sporting landscape is dominated by a dangerous hyperspeed hovercraft racing league. Rivalries run deep and betrayal is the norm. Get ready for some white-knuckle action. Chris Evans leads a cast of dozens of the franchise's world, most well-known driver, Captain Falcon. Coming to theatres summer 2013, F-Zero. Show me your moves. 
F-Zero, like a futuristic Ooh. racing film. You just think speed racing. Speed racer, yeah. yeah. That's ruined everything. Don't tell the Wachowskis. No. Um, speed racer. What? Are you going to say something about a man dressing up as a woman, then? No. Just thought you were. Is that what you're perpetually thinking about, Stuart? Only when I look at you. Thanks. So everyone's... Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Brilliant combat. Touché. Yeah. I just don't know where you got that from. Like, Come on, Kowskis. One of them's a woman. Now. They're over that. Anyway, next um, next movie pitch comes from Matt Taylor. It's, this is actually quite detailed. Um, his idea for a ga- uh, movie based on a game is Dungeon Keeper. Think of it as a DreamWorks animated film with a bit of Home Alone trap building thrown into the mix. Bowelthorpe Dungeon is a simple dungeon full of hard-working dungeon employees which comes under the threat from... A knight, Sir Abingdon Smythe, voiced by Alan Rickman, or Richard E. Grant, who wants to rid um, Flower Hat of all dirty, smelly dungeons in the land in order to prove his worth to the princess of said region. Norman Rubblebutt, <laughs> voiced by Martin Freeman again, or, interchangeably, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Those two always go up for the same role, Martin Freeman and Morgan um, Freeman. As... as <laughs> Is he just? They're interchangeable. Any, but any, but any free man will do, apart from Gordon Freeman, because he doesn't have a voice. And so he's going to be the dungeon janitor who manages to thwart the knight's first attempt to break in by constructing a rudimentary trap out of a mop handle. So it's like uh, I didn't quite get that. Can you start again? (laughs) It's basically Dungeon Keeper, but with Home Alone. It's really long. He's really, he's really put a lot of thought into it. Don't laugh. That's that's very good, Matt Taylor. Thank you. I like the idea of it being uh, animated. Computer movie. Yeah. Computer movie. Computer movie. (laughs) (laughs) Is it... Mum, do you want to go see Up? Is it one of those new computer movies? (laughs) Can you say Home Alone again? No. Uh, Jonathan Hughes writes in he says I've just recently revisited Metal Gear Solid and I'm once again reminded of just how fantastic a game it was sure it was linear compared to the vast sprawling open world games of today it falls somewhat short but as far as I can tell it is still unsurpassed for sheer creativity Uh, Meryl's codec frequency being on the back of the case was something which tormented me for days and the colonel telling you to switch controller ports to beat Psycho Mantis was great has there been anything similar since? Metal Gear games. No, no, no. <laughs> been a few of them. The like wall. a game that breaks the fourth wall. Well, like a, a, a Eternal Darkness. I never played it. It's just like all the weird sort of mind-bending things. But that was, yeah, the Psychomantis stuff and the, the codec thing. Well, the codec thing was mainly incorporated as an anti-piracy thing. Right. Uh, you, you had to look at the box and it gave you a, a radio frequency in which you had to input to go further in the game. So you didn't have, if you didn't have the case, then... Yeah, yeah. and it was before that there internet. Right, it wasn't yeah. easily circulated. I used to have them for Amiga. You used to have like books full of numbers, and it went turn to page forty-seven, and you have to go A and then down forty. Yeah, yeah. And it's Z four two nine eight. I just want to play the game. And sometimes I used to have like, those little wheels that, that. You yeah, turn yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little wheels that you would have to like line yeah. up in a row. And I thought that was the game. Was that there was a colour code as well? You, you didn't even like, have an Amiga five hundred. Coloured gel. Yeah. And you had to yeah. put that over a book. Um, I think the only thing I've played recently to go back to it is Fez because there's a there's a section in there. I don't know whether to spoil it or not. Go for it. It's been out for a while. Yeah, it's got a um, QR code in it. So you go into a room and when you turn it around, you discover there's a QR code. So then you zap it and it sends you like a... Uh, with your phone. Like, um, yeah, with your phone. And then it sends you a code, which then you have to tap in onto the buttons to, to progress, to uncover... But what happens if you haven't got Tom's a Tom's always smartphone. zapping stuff with his phone. Um, I don't know what you'd do if you didn't have a smartphone. Well, you want to get one. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to finish the game. <laughs> If you have a Nokia 3310, you've got a snake. Just saying. You've got it all. Yeah. Uh, email from Matthew Allsop who says, I was just wondering, in an average week, what do you do more of? 
watch films, play video games, or watch TV? Well, there's a fourth answer, isn't there? Work. Sleep. Work. Juggle. Uh, Sleep. Oh. Tom, what do you do more of? Um, I would say it's a toss-up between playing games and watching Tossing. TV. <laughs> I'd probably say I'd watch probably like one average two maybe films a week, and that's yeah. like three or four hours. You'd have to watch a lot mm. of films. Yeah. To make that... But in terms of gaming, I'm on my iPhone playing Pocket Planes or something every morning and every evening. So I'd say... I mean, that's like commuting, so I'd say that. And then TV, I'd probably say an episode or two a night. Yeah. Krupa? Um, It depends. I think when you've got a game, that'll dominate a week for me. But then in between games, it's probably watching movies, I reckon. Really? Yeah. How many movies do you watch a week? Probably about three or four. That's a lot of movies. Tilly? Hmm. TV. I watch a lot of TV. Watchdog. What's your favourite thing on TV right now? Um, catching up on Mad Men season five. I'm also finishing off The Killing, and I'm watching Friday Night Lights, which is as good as everyone in America says it is. Um, uh, I'm just about to start the first season of Breaking Bad. See what it, see what all the fuss is mm. about. But I find myself playing a lot of words with friends and scramble with friends while You're I'm watching the telly. Still playing that? Yeah, I love it. Um, while I'm watching the telly, so that makes it a bit confusing. Oh, you're doubling up on your time. Mm. But surely as a film critic, you see a lot of films in the evenings as well. I mean, some weeks you'll probably see three or four films. Yeah, but I'm still watching more TV. Right. Yeah. That's fair enough. Because he takes in his little Game Gear TV to screenings. Stu? Telly. Yeah. Just telly. Just telly and wanking. Does Um, Babe Station count? (laughs) I I hope so, otherwise it won't just... What? What, just seven, ten-minute previews? (laughs) Yeah. And this is a nice segue here. I've got uh, uh, Len Layton has written in. He says, I was listening to your podcast number 140 when, to my surprise, you happen to be speaking of garish Batman merchandise, of which I happen to own a substantial amount of from my childhood. Uh, he sent some pictures through of his collection um, and he says, Note the crazy medieval ones in close up. I think you'll like this, Alex. That's that, the main collection. So that's what you were looking at, your desk? Yeah. So who's this from? Andrew. Len, Len Layton. So there, there he is. It's lots yeah, of look. Batman figures, basically. I actually own several of these. I walked past Tom's desk, and there's one on the back that's kind of a metallic blue that I used to have. I used to, I, I cherished it. I used to take it everywhere with me. Um, uh, they've got some like uh, from uh, the kind of new uh, the Return of Bruce Wayne um, series. They've got some new figures of that in um, uh, Forbidden Planet at the moment. And that's him dressed as a kind of pirate and a highwayman and stuff like that. It's really bizarre. He is like a Native American Indian yeah. Batman as well. It's very, very strange. I got an email from uh, like a toy manufacturer yesterday, I think it might have been Mattel, about the new Dark Knight Rises figures. Yeah. And one of them uh, was from my favourite moment in the film where Batman dons like a yellow like JCB arm awesome. on his shoulders. Tom, it's got Tom, like that is a good bit. have not got to the spoiler bit Oh, yet. sorry, yeah. No, that's, that doesn't happen in the movie, but it's a great bit of tie-in, which has no bearing on, on anything. Uh, my favourite were, were always for the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, when you get Spider-Man on the Sp- Spider-Man motorbike, a car. Yeah. Why, Why would he need a car? Like, he's in New York in rush hour. Why would he be <laughs> sat in a car? Yeah. He could just, like, web-sling through it. It is, like, after I see a film that I really, really love, I always think, oh, it'd be good to buy some merch. And most of the time it's like, not very good. It's crap, isn't it? I think you need to wait, like, for some films you need to wait 10 or 20 years for them to put the good merch out. Yeah, yeah. Apart from Hulk hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone needs yeah. Hulk hands. Yeah. Instantly great bit of merchandise. <laughs> that's it. The feedback. <clears throat> uh, that's it for this week's feedback. Uh, what games are out this week, Daniel Kruper? There's not a lot because we're still in summer and the summer period, but if you were a big fan of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, were you, Alex? 
Was that the one with the skateboard? And Tony Hawk? Yes, it was. No, I mean the actual fucking skateboard. No, no, wasn't that, no. Wasn't that, no. Which one was that? It was the, the first, first one. one, 1999. All right. Way back in the day. That's coming out to Before Xbox 360 and PlayStation. It's going to be down, um, HD, downloadable title. I'll tell you what, I fucking used to love that, and I will oh, be downloading that. Fucking loved it. Shizzle. Oh, it's Tom. Mm. Um, I'm regressing. <laughs> 17 again. And I'm Kingdom Hearts 3D, Dream Drop Distance, which is just just a, a baffling title. It's because it's 3Ds. But just any three so words. Any with dream, drop, distance. Ding, dang, doodly. For 3DS. So that's coming out. <laughs> ding, ding, doodly. Ding, dang, doodly edition. <laughs> it, would make, it would mean, it makes just as much sense, I think. Um, so that's coming out to 3DS this week. Donald Duck. I don't dick. know much about it. <laughs> Donald Duck's dick. Amazing. You just ruined it. For what, what about movies, Chris? <laughs> Jesus. Um, well, last week, uh, Ice Age 4 opened big. It's made £30 million already. Those movies are just a licence to print money in the UK. Um, and Magic Mike did alright, so did any of you guys go and see the Mel Stripper movie? Nope. No. No. So um, quite good reviews as well. Very good notices. A film that didn't make much money, Alex, that will make you happy, uh, Tortoise in Love. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a sexy film. That made two grand. As for what's out this week, there's hardly anything coming out because everyone's running scared of The Dark Knight Rises. And rightly so. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, we've got a few plugs. Got some Kid Icarus information for you. If you're a big fan of Kid Icarus on 3DS, um, we're all going to be playing next Thursday night, the 26th. 26th from the 6.30. Yeah, if you want more details, check out our Facebook page. It's got an event on there. There's an event on there. What you need to do is go on there, post your um, Nintendo friend code on there, add all the other people that are already on there and come and join us. We did it last month. And it was really good, but we were really shit at it, so yeah. come along. Well, well, talk about yourself. Well, I did all right, really I did all right. It, yeah. um, but if you're a little bit more hardcore, you can go to the game store on the 21st in Drake Circus, Plymouth, where you can play um, pro players at Kid Icarus and you can stand a chance to win a trip to IPL, which is IGN's Pro Gaming Ooh. League in Las Vegas. That sounds like the next Uncharted game. Drake Circus. Drake Circus. Drake Circus. Plymouth. Yeah. Searching for the game reward card. Uh, and the last point is that there is a Kid Icarus competition going on at the moment. So if you Google Kid Icarus competition IGN, you'll find it. And all you need to do is tweet at IGN UK with your tips on uh, defeating Kid Icarus bosses. What uh, can you win, Tom? Well, you can win eShop vouchers and also a 3DS XL, which is out next week. Oh, we like those. So there you nice. go. Get on it. Yeah. Dinner, dinner, Let's talk about the Dark Knight Rises. This is your official spoiler warning. Hit it. If you haven't seen Batman Dark Knight Rises, switch off immediately. Seriously. Seriously, do not listen because we will spoil it. But come back when you have seen it and listen to this part. Come back when you've grown up. <laughs> so after dinner, 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 so what? it's been what two years since it was first announced? Quite a long time. It's not been four, it's four years. Two thousand and eight, the Dark Knight came out. No, no, no. Since sorry, Dark Knight Rises was first announced. Oh, oh. Uh, so anyway, I asked the question, and you it, answered a different one. It's three and a half years since Christopher anyway, Nolan was matter. taking the shit, and he thought, "I've got a movie idea." Brilliant. Are you Thanks saying it's that. shit? I'm not. <gasps> what do you think then? First impressions, Chris. Um, you're our movie expert. And uh, you were pretty excited before you went in. Mm. 
Yeah, I did my homework. I watched, I rewatched Batman Begins and The Dark Knight the night before. Mm-hmm. I think most of us watched the the first and second films beforehand, didn't I we? Did. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I didn't think it was as good as the second film. Yeah. I thought it was on a par with the first film. Yeah. Um, I particularly liked. I think you agree with this, Alex. The last kind of twenty minutes, I just thought it was so brilliantly wrapped up. Yeah, it was. Um, and that maybe gave me a better feeling about it when I first walked out of the cinema. And the more I thought about it, the more problems I had. Mm. But that said, it's just such an entertaining yeah. nearly three hours in the cinema. Yeah. yeah, It's a long film, but it didn't actually feel that long, I didn't think. I, dis- I disagree. I felt it felt long, but really? I, I didn't want it to end. I thought it was, it was long enough. I think right. the start I of it... I felt all the, the weight and the length of it kind of felt like it was beginning... Yeah, the first yeah, yeah. hour felt longer. It did, yeah. Especially, I think, the first kind of opening half an hour or so, it's quite... The, the pacing is quite slow. It's getting you back into the story. It's well, you, building you things Batman up. You don't see Batman at all for, no. for a long time. You don't see, you don't Batman, see Batman that much, much. In, in the entire movie. No, I suppose, yeah. it, it's a lot Bruce Wayne-heavy, this movie, than any of the other ones. Yeah. And, as in, I mean, Bruce Wayne, not even the Playboy. Bruce Wayne, the Batman man. without a mask, yeah. Right, yeah. essentially. Yeah. It's more about Batman as a symbol to Gotham. It's yeah. more about Gotham, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that as well because they use a lot more of New York as the city than ever before. Did you notice that? Yeah. I mean, in the it, past, it's usually a composite between like Vancouver and Chicago, bits of London even, and they've used Glasgow, I think, in the past as well. Yes. Um, but it just seemed that pretty much most of it was New York. Wasn't I thought the 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 big scene, the sort of finale fight between Bane and Batman, wasn't that filmed in Philadelphia or something? No, like that? that was that wasn't outside the Stock Exchange, wasn't it? Was it? Okay. Was that not the maybe they did that as well? I just like remember because that's where all the kind of leaked photos came from. Yeah, with the sort of big brawl between the Maybe police. Uh, well, and, the stock uh, exchange would be the raid midway through. But uh, yeah, what was your first impression, Tom? I think uh, personally, I think it's every bit the equal of the Dark Knight. I, th- I think um, it, it's it, quite a different film, though. It's it's very much it's very much a different film. It's more yeah. of an ensemble piece than anything. I know, like we've said, it, it doesn't centre that much on Batman, but. It's about all the characters, and yeah. none of the characters get unfairly maligned, apart from possibly Alfred. But actually, I think when I came out, with my favourite scenes were the scenes between Alfred and Bruce Wayne. They were the bits that really? tied all three films together for me. Yeah. Really, was the relationship, yeah, like him as the father figure almost, and the two scenes together. That the, there's one right in the middle where he there, he's on the hallway. It was in the very first trailer, yeah, mm. and he's saying, I, "I can't let you die." It's such a heart wrenching scene. That, yeah. That's the scene where he reveals that Rachel was going to leave him. Yeah, because yes. yeah, he yeah, thought, yeah, "I yeah. need to say this so he'll give up being Batman." Yeah, because without Rachel, he feels like he, he has no other life. He can't move on. Yeah, so you know, Alf is trying to give him a way out. He's trying to shock him into giving up. Yeah, I thought all that stuff was was absolutely brilliant. I, what I came away at the end of it, I kind of thought, what an amazing conclusion to one of the finest trilogies ever made. Yeah, well, and that's a massive. But what I mean by that is, this wasn't a trilogy that was planned out. It was very much let's make a Batman movie after Batman and Robin, will it do well even? Yeah. It was a hit. It wasn't massive. It got bigger over time. And then the Dark Knight just blew that out of the water. Mm. And then for a while, like, Nolan didn't know, didn't have a story in place. And to say it was kind of an ad hoc trilogy, the way that it kind of knits together... It weaves together, yeah. ...is better than th- trilogies that are even planned. Yeah. The way that it calls back in so many ways. Like, yeah. Like the Lazarus Pit, yeah. which is kind of prison, which I thought was brilliant. This very cruel prison where you could see a way out. And he says something that... that you can't have true despair without hope. 
And that's why it's a brutal prison because yeah. you, you can leave any time if you want, if you can get out. And the way that kind of mirrored the the well in the first film, yeah, yeah, all that stuff's just fantastic. I think as a Batman fan, I think why I enjoyed it the most was it the, it concluded the story of Batman. And surely, like yeah, ever since yeah. Batman began, he's been striving to clean up the streets. To, to fix Gotham, to take down the criminals. And at the end of this film, he pretty much has done. He's yeah. saved the world. And he's actually, he's completed the story of Batman. Yeah, he's, like, done, he's done the definitive Batman arc in three movies. And it's, he's given Batman an ending, which will never happen anywhere no, else, no, right? No, 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 I true. mean, there's, there's yeah. comic story arcs which may end Batman as he is then, like they'll kill him off but, or whatever, but, but, but he's completed it. He's completed but, the story. Because comics are serialised. There's that impetus to keep making more stories and keep on telling, because that's how they make the money, they're serialised. Yeah. Whereas Nolan, as a filmmaker, got those my three movies. And now he's, because of the Batman films, in a way, he's become a filmmaker of such stature, he can now go, that's it, done. What did you think about the actual plot, though? So pretty much for a third time, he's saving Gotham from a bomb. So in the first movie, it was some kind of, it was the... the uh, was it poison? Uh, no, it was the. Well, it was the, kind of this prototype gas, that could evaporate, yeah, the, evaporate water. Yeah. So um, the scarecrow had laced um, Gotham's water so supply with his cytotoxin. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Uh, and then the second one was where well, he was just blowing everything up, uh, yeah. left, right, and centre. Uh, Joker. And then at the end, it's the two. Um, it's basically the um, the dilemma of the two boats: the one with the prisoners on, the one yeah. with the civilians, and who will blow each yeah. other up. Yeah. But that, this is the, I don't know, but these are always these are always the weak points to me. Are these kind of the, the bomb MacGuffins in all three movies? I never think they're quite they're quite enough in a way, or they're not quite handled right. Like the boat one in the second movie, I thought really doesn't quite work for me. I think this bunch of really hardened prisoners would probably just go fuck it and blow the other boat up. And then this one, I kind of thought, yeah, okay, it's a nuclear bomb, but there are certain things like uh, as a plot device, do we really need something that looks? like a nuclear bomb complete with the red LED display on it counting down the hours in minutes I, I, th- I think kind of we do though I, I kind of think it's just a little bit past that and there, there must be other ways of, of, of ratcheting up the tension and making sure that people know how long this city's got left Left and and, and and there's the other bit as well with the bomb where you know there's 11 minutes to go and bearing in mind this is this is a spoiler cast uh, 11 minutes to go Marion Cotillard's character is about to blow the bomb up and she fails but you kind of think, well, why are you bothering, love? Because it's going to blow up in 11 minutes anyway. What's the point? Yeah, why, why have control why over have it? Why have control over it? That, that, all that kind of just felt a little bit, a bit lax to me. I don't know. What do you guys think? Chris, what do you think? Well, I totally agree <coughs> with that, Steve. But what, what I was going to say is that one of the best jokes in the 1966 uh, Batman movie with Adam Weston is, is some days you can't get rid of a bomb where he's running around town with that bomb. And that's a joke in that film, taking the piss out of films that do that. And now they've done it, like you said, Alex, they've done yeah. it three times. Yeah. I, I agree. I found it a little bit confusing, some of what was going on, uh, like the time frame of that, the, the last third of the movie. Yeah. Um, and We should probably explain what happens. Well, actually, no, because people have seen it. I was say, do we need to? We can yeah, no, explain people, the plot. Yeah, but yeah. Well, well, obviously, see. hopefully people listen to this have watched the film, yeah. I, I, I didn't really get a, fit, a sense of the, the passing of time in Gotham, no, nor, no. nor how the people of Gotham... You said it was about Gotham City, this film, Yeah. but I never got really a sense of how the people were reacting to what was going on. Yeah, there was no sense of it. It was like an 11-week siege. 
because mm. there was the one kind of visual indicator of that when Batman was being held in the Lazarus pit and he's looking at the TV in the corner it said like day it's 83 a, or something that's right yeah, 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 and yeah. that was the only I was like bloody hell that's 83 days yeah. oh right I thought it was like three days yeah I didn't really, but then there was like a couple of establishing shots where they're, they're like bringing in supplies but still like you said there's no real sense I guess that you know winter's covered change season perhaps as a visual indicator but mm. Also, two and a half months to fix your back. That's pretty quick, isn't it? Well, well, it's dis- well it, what was it? I don't know, a displaced vertebrae? Two lower Something displaced like vertebrae, wasn't it? There, there, there were a lot of flights of fancy and moments I thought you had to dis- suspend your disbelief in, in, in the final third, more than, I think, in any part of the... Yeah, well, also, to go from you know the pit all the way back to Gotham in like one scene pretty much well I mean also, those are annoying stupid little things but yeah. they kind of build up when there's a lot of them I can yeah. normally yeah, I'm yeah, normally yeah, not worried yeah, about yeah. them yeah. but the other the other the only one that kind of jars like it was two or maybe three the one where um, after he broke Batman and then did Bane just get an overnight flight with him all the way to the Lazarus pit drop him off and then rush back to Gotham to continue his terrorism yeah it was a strange because that was just happening yeah. very quickly uh, another one that kind of troubled me, maybe going on a bit of tangent here, but was the weird kind of electronic leg brace that was like yep. skipping rope that Bruce yeah. Wayne put around his leg and then he kicked through a wall with it. It was like bionic Batman. And then, it was and then never that was never a plot point. Yeah. And he obviously didn't need that when he was in prison. He climbed out fine without that. Yeah. And then the other one, um, I can't remember. Well, thing. I think the well, point that we were talking about earlier is that... Oh, his injuries. Um, well, yeah, so at the end of Dark, Dark Knight Rises, he runs off. But then suddenly, you know, at the beginning of um, Dark Knight Rises, he can barely walk. He was limping, probably. though. He, it was a limping run he had, I think, at the end was of it? Uh, well, he falls Dark off. Night. He falls okay. off a tall building with Harvey dead. But he still seems, like, in pretty physical, con- like, peak condition. Like, yeah. I know he's, like, bruised and battered and stuff, but he's not burnt out like no. he is. And, you know, Batman's not been seen again since that night. Yeah. So maybe, he's, you know. But I think we're being archery. very down on it. But no, actually, when we all came out, we were all, like, buzzing. I think it's These fantastic. are minor gripes. Yeah. I, I, I honestly thought it was fantastic. Um, uh, I thought the supporting cast was great. I thought Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was was really good. There's often it was quite difficult to do that sort of earnest, honest cop thing without yeah. it being too much. Yeah. But I just thought he came across as oh, he's almost like the young Commissioner Gordon, right? He's yeah. like the next generation of Gordons, the man that really wants to do the job. But there was, I, I did get a feeling there was a t- few too many extraneous characters, like Matthew Modine's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't see yeah. what the point in he didn't him bring was. It was weird, like, it was a weird cowardly counterpoint to um, Gordon, but, yeah, yeah, no real need for him. Mm. And the head of uh, Daggett, the head of the other oppos- uh, the other organisation that Bane was fronting for, like... It almost I wonder like... if he was, though, just to take a little bit of um, scrutiny away from Marion Coutillard's character. Yeah, I guess it would have yeah. been, yeah. But I think it was really classy filmmaking still, and I, I think the, the set pieces, action set pieces, were great. The, the bit when you first see Batman on the, the Batpod chase, my, the hairs on my arms were when he appeared out When he appeared out of the like, shadows. Oh, my God. And then when the Bat... Bat Pod did that weird thing where it can the go wheel side on this wheel. So I was, I was like, I'm going to look at Tom who sat next to me like, fuck yeah. He's yeah, here, he's yeah. here, he's back. And then obviously we saw it in IMAX and there was the shot where it pulls back and you've just got the Bat Pod being pursued by, I don't know, 50 police cars. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that looks it is, awesome. It is filmmaking, like practical filmmaking, this whole Christian Nolan's thing, like in camera, on like a, a fucking magisterial scale. Yeah. Like the opening section that we already saw before um, MI4 that opening scene in the plane where it's been oh ripped apart God. people it's jumping on just the brilliant yeah. it's breathtaking yeah yeah well it's obviously Chris you saw that with me in the IMAX back in December what did you think about it second time around 
Um, I enjoyed it better that I could understand what he was saying. Yeah, I found yeah. it so it was so frustrating that experience that we had where you couldn't make out anything he was saying. Yeah. Um, was the mix substantially different then? In, for his it voice? Yes. Meant, yeah, it was unbelievably so. Um, but I felt like his his voice was much, was very clear in that scene. I felt like they they cleaned that scene up. Yeah. To the point that it, well, it, it was crystal clear, and then they didn't. But later on, it was less clear. A couple of other voice. bits. Yeah. There, was, there wasn't much consistency in in the in how clear his voice was. Yeah. which was a bit frustrating. I've just thought about something. In that opening scene, they shove uh, a drip into that yeah. guy and take the blood. Why? To put his blood into yeah. that guy's body, so, so they, they think, think it was the, him. the nuclear physicist is right. dead. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Crash. Didn't get there that. Go. Got it. Is it? Is it worth moving on to Bane as uh, as, as a general sort the of new character? Point? Yeah. Because yeah. um, I, I like I absolutely loved Tom Hardy yeah. as Bane. I thought. It's a real difficult job to put a mask on and only be able to act with your eyes. It's also yeah. a very difficult job to follow on from Heath Ledger. Yeah, and it's a big job to take, take on a role like that after Heath Ledger obviously did such a, an amazing job. But I just think with what he was given, he m- took that role and just made it something completely different. Like, I've seen Baines in com- cartoons yeah, and yeah. comics. and Even Arkham City. They've but taken in, only the very bare bones of what Bane is all about, and he's just given them this whole personality, just with the placement of his hands. He'll come out of building, yeah. he'll be gripping onto his collar, and it's just like, that's so smart, because you haven't got anything to act with, so just act with your hands, mm. and he does that. And there's bits where he's in close-up, and you obviously can't see his mouth, but you get so much more from his eyes. He's got properly his, evil eyes, yeah. and, and the way he moves so his head, eyes. and the way he moves his but hands. And... It's also something to do with the script as well. They make him wonderfully articulate. There's mm-hmm. a scene where he's outside Blackgate Prison, and he's, he's giving the speech, and the way he's like gesticulating is like, like a fascistic dictator. Mm. Dictator is like this powerful orator, and it's just this wonderful language. But then there's that voice. I was speaking to Stu last night. For any, for, in a lower-rent production of Batman... The one which there has been Batman and Robin, you'd have this brutish, like voice where it's like, and there's this shouting and snarling, and he does this weird like lilting, posh accent. Yeah, it's it's almost high pitched in a way. Yeah, it's very strange. Warbles as well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, especially yeah that when he line. makes the comment just oh, before he blows lovely, up the uh, lovely voice. Plays up the sports. <laughs> so psychotic that he wants to destroy the city and yet he can appreciate something, appreciate something like yeah. a, a young soprano. Yeah. I'm sure he could do your line. Do your line <laughs> from the shadows. Uh, that's one of my favourite bits in the movie when he first faces off against Batman, and Batman tries all his tricks. He can't yeah. beat him, so he'll try the theatricality. That doesn't work. The little smoke bomb is pathetic yeah. around Bane. Yeah, it doesn't work at all. And he turns out the lights, and then Bane just grabs Batman and he goes, "The shadows belong to me." Because <laughs> <laughs> they've abandoned you. Because I was born in the darkness. Yeah. It's just like. Such great dialogue. He's just a force of nature, isn't he? Yeah. What, he said he was a, a wrecking machine, didn't he? Well, that, that, what, at, at the end, when he was punching Batman, oh that was god! Like, I mean, that's proper visceral, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you can feel that. It's so hardcore. <laughs> He's surprisingly fast as well for his oh, bulk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Tom well, we were got... wondering if they'd actually sped it up somehow, but it, know, it, it just, just didn't felt, look like it. Like, it felt like the whole thing was shuddering when yeah. he was doing that. I was like, you really felt for Batman. It's like, oh, it's going to happen But again. you think how fast he was in Warrior. Like, the whole point in that in that well, film is how quick he is in the ring, and it's the same guy just right. a, yeah, a year yeah, later. I remember seeing, after seeing that movie, I was thinking, that guy will break Batman's back. Yeah, but like, that, it's proper brutal when he punches his face in and cracks the mask. That was amazing, wasn't it? Was it? Like, and then yeah. when he pulls oh, the mask off. Just kept on going I mean, it is brutal. Um... Surprisingly bloodless, though. I guess it is a 12A certificate, but mm. I, I kind of got the feeling that, that the last film was, was, was kind of dark and was, was more brutal and more bloody in a way. 
Do you I think, think it was? I don't think you actually saw any blood in yeah, but Dark Knight Rises. Uh, sorry, the Dark Knight. that more. It, it felt uh, edgier. I, I mean, that pencil yeah. trick. Yes. That, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it was just like right from the start. I mean, as a 12A, I would question whether that's a right film well, to and take s- in. And keep like, putting knives in people's the, mouths. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it was more intense as well in, in the last film. Yeah. This one wasn't quite as intense. It almost pulled its punches, it felt to me, in a, in a way. It, 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 like the, well, the editing, it always seemed to kind of cut away maybe six or eight frames too soon so you didn't really get the full sense of of the violence and i this wonder is, if they if they'll kind of wheel out a, a kind of darker director's cut or something is, i still I, I still came out of it though it felt like the final third was pretty relentless all the way through it was literally like gripping my seat as stuff was happening and you know was it the was whole it, ending as well it's was, kind of talking about like cutting away a little bit too soon we're just talking about bane yeah one of the things i did find quite jarring was the way that bane just got shot off camera by Catwoman appearing yeah. on the bike. Yeah. He kind of just like jumped out of frame and you didn't see his fallen body. And just it just kind of went like... skidding into the and background. And then the plot went, we need to get back to the bomb now. Yeah. yeah. And it felt a little bit of a, a sad demise for such a great villain. Well, it felt yeah. like he was going to get his ending when Batman was fighting him. That yeah. would have been yeah. the correct way yeah. to yeah. go. Tom, do you want to do the line? What's the line? Well, oh, Goth- right, yeah. when Gotham is ashes, you have my permission to die and then when Batman says it again. Yeah. It's, just... it's, it's a great repetition. Well, I think he's not dead. I mean... I just think they didn't kill Bane in this film. Yeah. Uh, could you see the twist coming with uh, Talia Al Ghul? Well, unfortunately, I think we all know too much, don't we? It's and it's really like if you weren't doing the job that we do, yeah. you hear well, that she's cast as that character. Yeah. But I, I thought it was clever how um, how they tied it in with the child in the Lazarus. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really good because when that moment when it's like, fuck, that's Androgynous Ra's Al Ghul's child, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. son, and it's Bane, and then it, tr- it flips it on its head. And although yeah. I knew it was coming because... There's a weird moment in that scene when he comes into the room and she's there in the room and she's got the robes on. Yeah. And it doesn't mention that, but then when it flips to Bane and then when it comes back, then she does the reveal. So I kind of yeah. feel it fumbles the reveal slightly because yeah, yeah. you see her in the ro- in the, the red yeah, robes. Yeah. Um, but I still thought it was it was really well done. Really I think well. it, I it would be much better for people who don't follow the comic books because yeah. obviously yeah. you know that... Razel Gul has got a daughter, not a son. That I almost thought at one point though, when um, she said, "Oh, we need more men or something," she went, "Well, I can, I can help you out." I thought she was going to reveal, reveal herself as Talia then, but actually fight alongside Batman. Okay, right. I don't know. Well, I'm that's like, yeah, because yeah. again in the comics, again, that's why yeah, I thought the twist they've was got a, be. they have a son together, I don't they? Yeah, I thought they were going to fight side by side against Bane. Good performance from her, apart from the death. I thought that that was a bit weird as well when she was in the cab of the, yeah, the crash lorry crash. and she was doing all the stuff and then she kind of just went ah and it, it, it was odd it just didn't feel right it just has a lot it has a lot of beats to hit doesn't it it needs yeah. to move on it can't you, linger on any of there was those. A, I'm not was a fan of, a lot, yeah. I'm not a fan of, of uh, what they did with like the last Harry Potter movie where you actually have two movies to wrap the story up but I almost think I think this could have almost stood being a two part movie. I think it was so full of ideas that could have been explored you could have had a, a bit great further. cliffhanger, though, couldn't you? Like you the could thing have. broken back. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's the way to watch it. Have a break at that point. Oh, <laughs> so we did there. Well, that, that brings you on to Catwoman a little bit because I mean I thought she was great, but like her story, I think could have been developed a lot more. Yeah. Sure. It felt to me like one too many characters. You didn't really get yeah. a grasp on uh, no well, kind I, of grip I was on her at all. About that character bit, and that first scene when she's kind of like kind of helpless little maid, and then she just turns instantly when yeah. she's in Osha's car. I just thought she handled that transition brilliantly. Really yeah. well. She does have some great scenes, but uh, I think you're right. It was almost like an obligation that they had to put her in. But when she's introduced and she uses the plot, she helps to drive the plot forward. Yeah. It all makes sense. But then I think they kind of don't know what to do with her. For the last sort of third, 
and then obviously there's the ending where it kind of all fits yeah. back together. But yeah. for that that moment where uh, Gotham's been taken over by the anarchists, then she kind of just disappears, doesn't she? Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what, 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 what happens to her sister, if it is her sister? I don't um, think it is a uh, It's her mate. Now, that's a character... I, I looked up... She's a character called Holly Robinson. Right. Who helps, who helps Selena Kyle out. And I think at one point in the comic, she did take on the Catwoman mantle. They do not explain that at all no, in the no, movie. They don't. It's just no. like, who is this other girl? And, uh, no uh, idea. Again, unnecessary. Well, I don't think you need to. But, well, but I don't think she needed to be there, in all honesty. Full stop. It's yeah, just an additional character right. that's... You're right, yeah. And I had a couple, I had a couple of problems with uh, one or two of the characters looking like other characters. When the film starts, there's a character that looks just like Harvey Dent. Oh, the the other the Was guy that gets kidnapped. Oh, kid the senator. Kid yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He does a bit, yeah. And there was a couple of people like that. I thought, and I just thought, oh. Was uh, Anne Hathaway sexy enough? Yes. yes. I thought she was quite sexy. Yeah. I never you. Usually find her sexy, but I thought she pulled it off. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I think mm. the costume was great as well. Yeah. I thought she. Yeah. Where where it came from doesn't really matter. It's just like she just has it, doesn't she? For dropping. Well, that's Catwoman. interesting. That's interesting as well because that's not really explained, is it? The way she just suddenly dons this kind of Catwoman-esque maybe that's, maybe that's outfit. Her official well, I don't think she's, uh, she's not actually but referred not to as Catwoman at no, all. No, no, she's not. Well, it's, it's, it makes out that she's a cat burglar. Yeah, but on the screens. But what? Why? But then I reckon if it was explained, you'd be like, "Oh, that's a bit heavy-handed exposition." Oh, I don't know. It's her maybe, in her bedroom maybe. sewing an outfit. Do we really need that? I think it's much more subtle filmmaking. Just it exists. Yeah. Why do well, I what were the glasses for? Or a little things that go over? Well, right? Just for print. print but again, they didn't really. But did why? they explain that? But it just felt, you know, it felt a bit like. But I, I take it as like this world exists, and like she's mm. been doing this. But we've been away from this world for eight years. Other things have happened. Mm, I, think, I think. I think. I think you're cutting it a little bit too much slack. Okay. So you'd want a scene where she goes, these are my night vision goggles, they help me see in the dark. What? No, you could go completely the opposite way. Why does she have to wear a costume like that? Just uh, stealth. Stealth. But she doesn't... She, well, right, she's but, a burglar. No, hang on. Oh, you don't have to wear an outfit like that to So she's stealthy. introduced, right? She's introduced, and when she does a burglary, and she doesn't have the outfit on when you see her... When, when that she, burglary's she been done. She, what, in the first scene? Yeah. Yeah, because that is her outfit that will help her break into that bit of... Wayne Manor. So she doesn't need it as a cat burglar. Well, she does when she's maybe um, going through somewhere that has laser wires. You'd want a tight-fitting outfit. Like Entrapment <laughs> with Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> what? I'm just saying. He's just saying. He's just saying. Uh, that, I don't know what... <laughs> yeah, I agree. Should we move on to... Uh, do we need to talk a bit more about Blake, about him sort of taking on the mantle at the end of the movie, or should well, we save that for talking about the ending of the well, movie? Well, I guess the... the uh, let's, talk, let's leave that for the ending. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the IMAX experience? Let's move on to that. Well, I loved it. I thought, you know... Hang on, let's bring it back yeah, in. Yeah, we've broken it up now. Yeah, OK. What did you think of the actual IMAX experience itself? Uh, well, I haven't seen any of the uh, previous two movies in IMAX, so it's the first time that I've kind of seen Gotham in all its glory, and, God, it does look incredible. So you, you really, at points, when it does the shots over the city, you really have to kind of hold on to your chair because you yeah. think you're going to dive in at some points. Yeah, it was like that in Mission Impossible 4, yeah. but it, it really felt like it in that. But so much of that film was in... IMAX, yep. the, dark, the Dark Knight. It was incredible. Um, yeah. The uh, the bit that really really swung it for me was the bit where uh, Alfred was telling Bruce about how he used to go on holidays. You know, when Bruce was missing for like seven yeah. years in Batman Begins, he'd take a holiday to the south of France, he'd sit in the cafe, and he's telling him this story, and it's quite close up on him, and it's in normal sort of letterbox sort of vision. And then when it cuts to him in the south of France... It's IMAX, yeah. and it kind of like the sort of dreamlike quality of it being mm. crystal clear. Mm. And it's obviously 
because they shot it in IMAX for the ending of the movie, but you don't know at that point. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, thought sure. that transition between the two well, was really well I think really some well of those done. transitions do work and they kind of do have thematic significance like that, but there's some odd bits where even if it's the same scene yeah, and you're using two different film stops, like, that's strange and that is jarring when you go from one person, one shot in the same scene to big screen, to mm. little screen again. Yeah. I must admit, I didn't notice that at all. I didn't notice that once. Only a couple of times, yeah. but I agree with you. It does happen on a couple of occasions. The clarity of the IMAX film stock is what it's got really me there. Beautiful, yeah. It's really, really clear because it's, you know, it's a tiny bit grainy when it's just the standard letterbox stuff yeah. and then it, especially when it is, when it's characters' faces, you can just, it's just, just amazing, it really is. So there's those emotional scenes. I think um, when Alfred's like getting emotional and it's that big, and you can see yeah. the tears welling up in the it's corner. It's a of his clever eyes. way of using that massive IMAX format yeah. because you're so used to these huge vistas, yeah, or yeah. action things blowing yeah. up. But, but it's you... also for it can make emotion like action. Yeah. But in terms of the blockbusting action, I didn't think there was um, anything in this film that equaled a couple of the scenes in The Dark Knight, um, like the scene where he jumps off the building. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Into Hong Kong. Yeah. 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 Yep. And the scene where the, the truck kind of flips when him and the Joker. Yeah. I, or I, I would even say in Batman Begins, like the Batmobile going on rooftops is an awesome scene. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to say at this point, though, IMAX isn't necessarily the definitive way to see it, right? You're going to have just as good a time yeah. at yeah. seeing it in the normal cinema. Totally agree. Because the, the IMAX is sold out in a lot of places. You know, they took over a million pounds worth of pre-orders for the Dark Knight yeah. at the IMAX. So. Yeah, I, I was looking yesterday because after seeing it, I was like, I, yeah. I need to see it in IMAX again. Yeah. And uh, apart from like one seat here or there, there are no like you know decent uh, bookings left until. Uh, end of uh, August, and you've got to be really careful as well because not all IMAXs are equal. No, uh, there's a lot really of, not. There's a lot of crappy Odeon IMAXs, which aren't really that big at all. The, the IMAX in Manchester is amazing. Is it? I prefer it to the one in Waterloo. They aren't Canon. <laughs> They're not Canon. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, watch out for that. But you know, if you can get and go and see it in IMAX, do so. I'd heartily recommend. Yeah, it, yeah. I really yeah. would. So should we uh, finish by talking about the ending? That would be logical. I guess that so. Uh, we've also got some feedback from uh, readers as well to go through as well. Do you want to so. go through feedback first? No, we can do it afterwards, okay. I think. Yeah, we'll well, uh, so for me, I, I literally went from feeling properly sad when I thought, this is it, well, end of the trilogy, this end of Batman. This is what we thought would happen, maybe. Yeah. Like, uh, to, like, you know, when he looks at the autopilot stuff and it's, it's been changed I, I, I even felt it just then just a little like, oh my god this is fucking but amazing then, yeah. the big talking point that falls on for that is mm. should you get to see Bruce Wayne or not do you think they should leave out the implication that he fixed the autopilot and well Stu and I said the, the alternate ending could be um, Alfred sat in that cafe and he looks up I thought, and before he smiles Ends. I honestly yeah, thought it was going to finish there. To black. Like the that inception should, ending, yeah. right? But then, yeah. then my point would be, is it is the inception ending again? Yeah. And I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the ending... I think, I think that could be handled. It's not quite the inception ending, I don't think. I mean, you know, it could be, it could be handled in such a way that it is brought to your attention that maybe he is sat next to him. Or it could be handled in any number of ways, couldn't it? Even if he did look up and he started smiling, you could think, oh, he was just remembering. He was just past. smiling, yeah. Yeah, anything but still, like that. But still, that's, that's the same ending. That is a heavily but, but ambiguous ending, isn't it? Even it didn't. It, I mean, did it, did it need a shot of... Catwoman? of I, yeah. No. Personally, I did... 
I did like to see it. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, I think I did. I, it's like I said, it's tied up He's been through so yeah. much. He, he deserves a little bit of happiness. But at the same time, I think it insinuated enough that, you know, Batman lives on. Oh, but that regardless anyway. of Bruce well, Wayne. Because that end scene is intercut with, I think, I love that the final shot of the movie is actually Joseph Gunn-Levitt standing on that platform and yeah. Yeah. Ri- rising to the, to the sky. The Dark Knight yeah, Rises. Rise. Well, yeah. I think it's quite amazing that they there was all this talk of, of Robin, of, of Talia al Ghul, and they kept it all quite under wraps. And then they just went for it in the end. Yeah. Chris Nolan just went, yep, yeah, call him Robin, uh, well, not got a problem yeah, with that. Yeah, at the beginning yeah. I thought, well, well I heard when he's called Blake, is anyone like, because I was like, oh, that sounds like Drake. And yeah. he was from a, an orphan's home. I thought, I think in, like, in the last third of the movie, we're going to find out his real name is Tim Drake. Yeah, but they didn't. But he's called Robin, but similar sort of effect, yeah. I guess. He's Robin. But there's talk. There's half. Uh, sort of halfway through the film, he's talking about wearing a mask. Yeah, and, he's, yeah. and he, he, show, he shows like they do really well. Like he has that conversation with Gordon, saying, "I will hope you never have to face this situation. I, I, and rules can be structures to keep you bound." In. And I, he shows himself as being quite a decent fighter as yeah. well. Yeah, he's got he's got the skills to be another Batman, right? He's, he's got a good chin as well, and that's important. And, he's, and most importantly, he's got the pain to fuel him. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, there was a point where I thought he's going to give him a spare costume and they're going to double up so that they can both be in two places at once to, mm. to help take down the villains. But obviously that didn't happen. What did that actually that bit where you the few scenes where Batman and Catwoman were fighting together? I didn't particularly like those. In all honesty, well, this this one was more uh, comic booky than any of the yeah, others, yeah. right? It doesn't say not to say it's not grounded in realism, but. I think it really needed that uh, yeah. to, to, to tie up the story. Pace, but, like the bit where they go to see, she takes him to see Bane for the first time. That felt like comic panels, the way that he kept taking out bad guys in different ways. Yeah. It was above him. It, it all him. felt a lot more comic book to me to the point that I thought Bane was a, was quite a one dimensional villain. And that's not to say I didn't like him, but I didn't think there was all the layers that you had in the last film, or they tried in the first film, and we didn't think yeah. it really worked, did we, with Ra's al Ghul? But yeah. There but is, yeah. you know, if, if you come down to it, I, 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 you'll probably disagree with me, guys, but there is a big Joker-shaped hole in this film. No, I agree. Like, I don't. I thought the performance was good, but you just cannot beat Ledger's Joker. No, it's I because think... the character's more interesting. It's not. It doesn't reflect on Tom Hardy. I think no, the no, Joker's no. just a more compelling character because Bane is this force of nature, and for the first hour, I was loving him, but the second hour, I, wa- I, I wanted more. I, wanted I, I, th- more I think him. having Bane as a character and tying it in with the League of Shadows gives the trilogy a nice circularity to it. It gives it more structure. Where yep. I think if you had Joker, it would be just more chaos. It would be more chaos. Because he w- he says in the, in the thing, I don't have a plan. Do I look like a man with a plan? And I think in the final part of a trilogy, you want some kind of plan? Yeah, no, I'm not saying I want no, I know, a Joker no, in this. I, I know. just, I'm not but sure But he could was... have been in there with someone else, I guess. Yeah, like, the I'm Riddler. not sure there was any way yeah. to go from that yeah. last yeah. one in terms yeah. of having a, having a villain that... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because you thought when they break all the prisoners out uh, of, the, of the prison, that there could have been, been something could... there. But that would have been a bit role for him, I guess. I, I don't, Scarecrow's in. I, guess. I don't know, because yeah. Joker's obviously such an iconic character that you maybe were expecting something. But I, I honestly think Bane act was fine. Like, I, I didn't need Joker. I'd had my Joker. That was it. I'd had my film. Yeah, I think, for me, I, I totally hear what you're saying, but I think doing the Bane and the League of Shadow things make, makes it a tighter trilogy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, where where do we think we can go next with in the movies with with the, these characters? I mean, I obviously, this is it for Chris Nolan. I can't see him no, ever revisiting never. it. I can't see Christian Bale going back to it ever again. Well, he can't, can he? Really? 
But do we think that maybe in the future that well, there, there will be a reboot of some sort? Somebody is going to... I think the easy way of doing it is to do the whole JLA thing. Well, funnily enough, someone has written in, Callum Rudd has written in and said, how do you think Batman will be portrayed in the Justice League of America film? Do you think it'll be the Dark Knight Batman or will it be a new Batman altogether? And I think it's actually probably quite a smart way of bringing Batman back. It softens yeah. the blow, doesn't it? Like, the, like there's less scrutiny on it, I yeah. guess, if he's part of an ensemble. Yeah, I think it would be a great jumping-off point to reintroduce him in the way that Marvel had to introduce all their characters because Iron Man wasn't particularly well-known and, and Thor wasn't that well-known. I think you've got the, 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 the top, one of the top two most iconic superhero characters here. I think it would be the best way to do it is in, reintroduce him in that, in that collective movie. And, then... and go younger, I think. Go younger. Yeah. Well, could you? I mean, different it, could you bring Joseph as... Gordon-Levitt in as as Batman? I don't think you, you wouldn't. I think it would muddy it too much. Okay, I think so. Personally, yeah, I think. It, yeah, I mean, it would be a hard one because it depends what kind of tone they're going for in JLA. Mm. If, if mm. they're going to continue the, I think it also it kind of it would kind of mar the Nolan trilogy because it would it it would imply that it links into it. And I'd like to see him play Batman. Though. I would. I would I as like well. him. Got a good chin as well. It's like almost it. like a. It almost feels like <laughs> if they did that, it would be like a never say never again moment. Like sure. almost like he's doing it. It's for not the, Yeah, and it would leave a bit of a bad taste. Because I think Spider-Man reboot has taught us all that we want we want something different the second time around, and whether it's you know the two things are to go older or younger. And I was thinking, I always thought older would be the way. And then obviously the Dark Knight Returns is is the book that you think of, and then they, they've used so much this. of that. Yeah, he's even got streaks of grey in his hair. Yeah, as well. It's a tough one. It's a difficult. It's a difficult one to to go. But um, as long as they do different, good problem to have though, yeah. isn't it? Though we've done it so well, yeah. We don't know where to go from here. Yeah. All right. Well, let's leave it there, and let's just get a bit of uh, reader feedback or listener feedback on uh, people that have seen Dark Knight already. Tom, no, they're just questions. That we asked for the questions on uh, on on Twitter, but. Um, I'll whiz through these because you've answered quite a lot of them. But what was the highlight of the film for you, Stuart? Oh, come back to me in a sec. Hang on. Chris? Oh, did you see? You can't throw that on me. I think it's that scene where Batman takes on Bane for the first time. Yeah. That fight scene's just... Second time for me. Well, there's less to it the second time. The f- the All right, well, the whole the whole scene of the, poli- of the police against the, the, the rest of... Gotham when 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 the streets are flooded and they're all that you know everybody's face there off. together. They face oh, off. that bit where, where Batman is flying above because the police are quite tentative at that point, yeah. and then they know literally Batman's got their back, yeah. and they all charge they in. in. Yeah, that's probably my favourite bit. Um, I would say the the Alfred scene um, about halfway through where where he tells him and it's it's quite emotional. So uh, mine was when I think when Blake goes to the Batcave right at the end. That's yeah, right. that it, gave, it gave me a, it gave me a semi. Uh, you, know what, you know what gave me chills when um, when it's just about he's about to set, um, carry the bomb away and Gordon says, "Who are you? You're gonna die like anonymously." And he says, "So he calls back to um, Gordon draping the coat around his shoulders as a little kid." And they show one brief clip from Batman yeah. Begins. I thought it was wonderful. Do you know Ken Barlow's son plays uh, uh, Wayne's dad, Bruce Wayne's dad? Really? Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. I who that bloke was. Bill Roach. Yeah, anyway, um, another question here. Oh, sorry, that, that question was from Raza, so thanks for your email. Uh, Tom Law has written in, which of the three films was your favourite? Second one. Second one. First yeah. one. I'm going to say the third one, controversially. Okay, here we go. Um, that's good. That's pretty good, though. Like... Yeah, uh, I'm going to say, and the last email is from Joshua Ball. It's not really a question, it's more of a statement. Uh, we're, at the fi- we're finally at the last stop. It's time to give someone else the bat. God help whoever is filled to rebuild, reboot this trilogy. You know, McGee. McGee. <laughs> well, yeah. I hope it's another Christopher Nolan. Yeah. I hope it's one of these, maybe one of these guys like Duncan Jones or Gareth Edwards, one of these young, really smart, 
um, guys that know what they're doing and, and have a real passion for this, yeah. for this material. I hope good. we find another one of those guys. Definitely. Yeah, not Zack Snyder. And also, I can't wait to see Chris Nolan make non-Batman films as well. Yeah. Actually, yeah. He makes great non-Batman films. Well, let's, well. Let's, let's look back. Batman Begins, then The Prestige, then Dark Knight, and then Inception, Inception, and now this. I mean, and what next? What next? Because wow, The Prestige is one of my favourite films ever. It's a great yeah. movie. Really good movie. Uh, let us know every, anything or everything you think about uh, Batman, uh, its current iteration, past iterations, how you'd like to see it in the future. The uh, usual uh, feedback address, IGNUKfeedback at IGN.com, or tweet or Facebook us. Yes, at IGNUK. Um, there'll be a video version of a chat like very much like this hitting the site, hopefully on Friday. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let us know what you thought of the spoiler cast and whether or not you'd like to do more of us to do more of these in the future. And if you, uh, if you didn't want to know anything about Batman, you can turn back on now. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Batcast. Fucking spit out the marbles, you dickhead. Batman. Hello and Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. Batman. Stop it right now. Batman, Batman, Batman. Do that for the whole podcast. The whole hour. That's a bad. It's the usual stuff on this week's podcast, plus we've got a very special tail end. We've <laughs> <laughs> got a very special tail end. <laughs> I really don't know what to say. <laughs> Edit this fucker. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.